Question, tell me what you think about me. I buy my own diamonds and I buy my own rings. Only ring your Sally when I'm feeling lonely. When it's all over, please get up and leave. Question, tell me how you feel about this. Try to control me, boy, you get dismissed. Pay my own condo and I pay my own bills. Always 50 50 in relationships. Hey queens, this is your girl Latina back with another episode of Crown Thoughts, the podcast. I just want to really, before I begin, I think it's important that I provide a disclaimer and just say that um, this is not an easy episode to put out. Um, There can be things that are very triggering and it's just heavy. And so I highly encourage everyone to please, if you ever at any point feel as though this is just too much or uh, reminds you of a past hurt, a past pain, give yourself the permission to just put it down. However, this is more than just a teaching moment. This is really a reflection uh, for myself and just an opportunity for me to really tell my truth. I had put out on my Instagram page, I guess a final post of 2021. And the headline said that I am a survivor of complex trauma. And I'm sure many don't even know what that means or what that looks like. And so now is the time. Uh, there has been many, many signs and conversations and weird events that have just been popping up for me throughout this year. And they all go back to telling your truth, reclaiming your yes, detoxing, cleansing your space, making preparation for something that's coming And in the beginning of the year, I was very, very, very confused, very stressed by it, and really just fearful because fear is something that is very, very, what's the word? Fear and I go hand in hand. I don't really know what life is like without fear. And so consider this episode my last one of 2021. Um, I am now cleansing my space and I am making preparations for everything that God, spirit, universe, it's all coming to me. And I know that in order for it to come, I've got to let some stuff go. So if you're still interested, (laughs) which I really do hope, then please Grab your notebook, maybe grab a glass of wine, do whatever you need to do to clear your space. And I entitled this A Tale of Two Queens. So please, let's get into today's discussion. Hey, queens, welcome to Crown Thoughts, the podcast, a safe space for women of all kinds and for women of all walks of life to come together and chat. Crown Thoughts, the podcast, is a movement of vibes, which encourages its listeners to dig deep and reflect. So with that being said, let's get into today's topic. There once was a little girl who had so many adorable nicknames, and I don't know if this is a a black thing or it's only in the the black community but we all know like a peaches we all know a pookie everyone's got a a cousin pookie or you know a peanut (laughs) like you can think of anybody with a nickname um fat fat man man they all sound silly but they're they're really placed upon us with love and sometimes they always come with a funny story um and so for this little girl her nicknames were Tina Bina, Tina Bobeep, Tina Marie, Tina Turner, <laughs> which 
I don't think she really liked that one. But each name was really just an endearment. And it was a play on to the name Tina. And Tina was a little girl who loved to imagine the unimaginable. She was playful. She was full of life. She loved to smile. She truly believed in castles. She wanted to be a princess. And she just knew that one day a knight was going to come and take her away and they would be happy forever. She believed in flying ponies. Tina loved her family so much. And she would do anything to make them smile and make them laugh. And Tina could sing their favorite song, played a melody on the piano, always volunteered to do the prayer at dinner time, helped put up Christmas trees. Tina was always there. Tina was always available. Sometimes she would even sit and listen to people's stories. And there were stories of just big, big tales and horror stories, sad stories, anything that you can imagine. She would sit and listen because she understood what it was like to not be heard. We're going to assume that Tina was a good girl. I would love to say that this is the end of the fairy tale and magically Tina grows into a conscious woman who marries the man of her dreams and she grows up to be a powerful speaker who's bold, risky, knows how to empower other women to just be like her. Let's all be like Tina. But that is not true. And that that can never be true. Why? Because life is full of obstacles. Life is hard. Life has its low moments. And life has sadness. And quite frankly... No one should ever make empowerment feel like control or or make you feel like that you have to idolize them. That's not true. That's not influential. <laughs> the other character of our story is Latina. Latina just didn't have the same advantages as Tina did. Latina had a really, really difficult time fitting in and and figuring out who she was. The only time any attention was given to Latina is when she misbehaved. Latina was unable to sit still in her seat. Latina asked too many questions. Latina was described as impulsive in school. Latina got into a lot of fights. Latina was a bully. Latina was mean. Latina was scary. Latina, you can see it on her face. She always had an attitude. What's wrong with her? It's quite interesting because even the way that she was called upon, the tone was different. For example, Let's say you know someone and their name is William, but you call them Bobby. So it's, hey, Bobby, what's up, Bobby? How are you? But you knew when Bobby was in trouble because it would be like, William? And sometimes it wasn't so subtle. However, Latina always felt like that she had to prove herself. For example... Latina will show her ID and people will say, Latina, is that your real name? Are you Spanish? What are you? Who are you? Latina just could not figure out where she was supposed to fit in. We'll say that Latina is not a good girl. The polarization of the two identities, and polarization just means Because these two characters are so opposite and just so extreme, it starts to create chaos because who's supposed to lead? Latina becomes the protector. Latina becomes the fighter. And unfortunately, Latina has to become the strong one for Tina. Tina's too innocent to understand any other emotion than love. It's all she ever craves. But can we really blame her? Both characters are just kids. Imagine them both to be no younger than five. 
So what happens when you have a masculine energy and a feminine energy and they don't know how to lead? They don't know how to let go. Over time, there's an enmeshment. And that just simply means that the two combined, they just, they just become one. Although we would like for both of them to become one. But it just never would fit because one was always trying to triumph over the other and never understanding when and how to play their roles. But the common denominator of both characters is that they only knew how to do one thing right, and that was to serve others, to give to others, to protect someone, to make someone happy, to fight someone, to make someone smile, to scare someone away, to give someone love none of which that they ever were able to pour back into themselves. I'm going to pause right here and ask you a reflection question. Is there any point in the story where you felt very strongly connected to the details of the two characters? Write them down. Really think about what I said. It's okay if you need to run it back. We've got all the time. (laughs) But really look in and see, am I a Tina or am I a Latina? And maybe you're both and maybe you're none. But again, write them down and put it to the side for later. So it's important to know that I am both Tina and Latina. Um, Growing up, well, no, let's take a step back. Because yes, my my real name, my birth name, what I was given by my mother is Latina. And Tina is also me because it was my nickname. But for a child who has been faced with much, much, much trauma, it's very, very confusing. She doesn't have an identity. She can only take on an identity that has been given to her because she's never been given room to choose. It's also important to know that each character are from two different worlds. How is that possible? (laughs) Well, if you've been following me since the beginning of Crown Thoughts, then I have shared many, many times before that I am a survivor of trauma. Um, I've always been so quick to just share that I've been in foster care or that you know my mother had to overcome a drug addiction. And for a long time, I held on to that. That was my trauma story. And everything that happened in there is because of my mother's lacking. However, that's not true. And that's also not the full story. Because again, there are two characters. I like to believe that Latina started off with her mom. I don't, I don't want to believe that Latina was ever a good, uh, I'm sorry, a bad girl. Um, I just don't think that's true. But somehow, Tina only came about when she would become with another side of a family, a family who made her feel safe enough, again, to be playful and silly and feel loved and everything was rosy and peaches. And at least one would think, but somehow all of that gets stirred and screwed. And this is how loss of self, this is how codependency is created. This is how mental health comes about. Even addiction, it all begins to grow roots deep within us. And it's often not our faults. The character was just five. As a child, it is the duty of our caretakers. And I say caretakers because I am very aware that family looks just different now. It's not always a mom and a dad. It may be you're living with your grandparents or maybe you have an aunt that's raising you. Um, And I think that's an absolutely beautiful thing. I'm so for non-traditional anything. I am an unconventional person. However, again, it is up to your caretakers to make you feel safe, to make you feel protected, to give you joy. As you can hear in this story, 
How is a young child doing all of that for all the adults around her? And so it is important to understand that in this, both Latina and Tina are victims. And every victim needs an abuser. We often hear the term of narcissist, and it's thrown around so loosely now, especially on the internet. Oh, they're narcissistic, or yeah, that's that's a narcissist. And really, the term is only loosely thrown when someone crosses us or doesn't act in a way that's favorable. However, NPD, or narcissistic personality disorder, is a true medical diagnosis. And it can be found in the DSM-5. You can look it up and see what's the criteria and do all the research that you like. I do not recommend you self-diagnosing. I do not recommend anyone trying to diagnose anyone else because frankly, leave that to the professionals. This is why I'm here. Your girl's a licensed clinician, by the way, so I'm just going to throw that out there. (laughs) I did pass my my licensing exam um, just about two weeks ago now, and I'm, I'm very proud of that. But getting back to this, um, so I don't want to go into the full description of what a narcissist is, but I do think it's important for everyone to keep in mind that there are three key points in spotting who a narcissist is. They are highly self-absorbed, meaning everything is about them, and it always goes back to them. Even when it has nothing directly to do with them, they will flip the story to make it about them. <laughs> they lack empathy for others, which means they can feel sorry for you. You know, they can say, oh, God, I, I'm so I'm so sorry that happened or, um, wow, that's just so awful to read. But they never really know how to feel it. And because of that, they're unable to main relationships. Um They're definitely not able to be apologetic. And quite frankly, they just can't really relate to others unless it benefits them. If you're like me and you're kind of thinking like, all right, I can name a few narcissists, jot them down. Write down some names of people who you believe are narcissistic or maybe they demonstrate some of the behaviors and not all the behaviors. That's fine. But just really look over your list. Do you see any coincidences or do you see any patterns? Or For me, I had noticed that a lot of the people who I thought were narcissists were all men. And somewhere along the line, it's only been put on to a man. So, of course, I began doing my research and I'm trying to understand, like, are narcissists only men? Is this just like a man thing? And what I've come to find is that there are something or there are someone who is called the covert narcissist. So for this, I'm going to I'm going to label this person um rather than saying the covert narcissist, we're going to say aka the female narcissist. It sounds nicer and it's easier to say. So whatever. <laughs> but in psychology, you know, overt behaviors are those that just can be easily observed by others. And those are the traditional narcissistic patterns that I described earlier. So who are our covert or female narcissists? Really, they're just the same as a regular narcissist, but they're often behind the scenes and maybe they're less, they're not as obvious to others. So I'm just going to say they're petty patties. They can't be as bold as a true narcissist. Um, A covert narcissist is someone who craves admiration and you know, they want to be important. They don't have empathy for others. But it's some things that they do that are just different than our our typical narcissists. But the end game is always the same. They need to win. If this helps too in understanding the difference between an overt and covert narcissist, think of skinning your knee versus a paper cut. Many will argue one hurts more than the other, but we'll all agree that that shit is painful. And I've skinned many knees. I mean, I've I fell down many times as a kid and I've skinned my knees and 
I've had many paper cuts. They all hurt the same. The pain is still the same. So, of course, I had to dig deeper because I am a deep thinker. And I'm just like, well, how are they so different? How are they even made? Research states that there are several factors to include in how a narcissist, whether covert, overt, man, woman, they're all created under the same factors. Genetics, childhood abuse and trauma, upbringing and relationships with caregivers, their personality and their temperament. One study found that people with NPD are more likely to have grown up with parents who were highly focused on their status and their achievements. It was the only thing that mattered to them. And because they were often made to feel superior to other children, they held on to this deep, deep belief that they are special and that they're more valuable than others. And it grows and it festers and it follows them and it persists into their adulthood. Now, if we look at some of the tactics of a covert narcissist, you will see that instead of giving zero compliments, they may throw in a few here and there just to keep you on your toes. This kind of creates a cord between you. I'm sorry, this creates a cord between themselves and their victim. So for example, um, rather than saying, wow, you did such an amazing job today. It may be, you did a really good job today. However, you could have did this differently. It leaves you feeling like, well, was it a compliment or was it not a compliment? Or I thought I did a really good job, but I guess I didn't realize that I didn't meet your standards. Growing up, I, uh, once I was removed from my biological home, I stayed with like friends of my mom for a bit. That was a process that DCF would do rather than just removing you and putting you in an environment of no one that you knew, they would find some kinship. Kinship simply means either someone within your family or someone that's closely related to you. And I stayed with a mo- my mom's friend for a while. And unfortunately, it it wasn't a good fit. And then I was placed in a foster home and that was a horrible fit. And somewhere along the line, my paternal side of the family comes and they save me. <laughs> and thus, here comes Tina. Tina believes in fairy tales. Tina believes in being saved. And because she's so grateful and she only knows love, she latches on deeply to this side of her family. And Tina will do anything to make her family happy. But once she gets into this new home, she realizes that she doesn't really fit in because there are still some parts of her that are tainted. There are still some parts of her that's from the other side of her family that that just, it's not going to work. It's not a good fit. So what does Tina do? She adapts and she changes. Again, her, her goal in her eyes is just to make her family happy. And so that is where the first tactic from her abuser comes up. Instead of giving zero compliments, that person will give just a little bit, but then always follow up with some kind of teaching moment. Another tactic that uh, a covert narcissist or our AKA female narcissist will do, it's called the shaming and blaming game. And shaming is a tactic that all narcissists may use to secure their sense of just feeling elevated, you know, feeling above everybody. And rather than, so I'm sorry, so for an overt or for the female narcissist, rather than straight out saying you're ugly to them, they may compliment they may compliment you and then criticize you in the same breath. For example, your twist out is cute. However, your ends look like they need a trim. 
This again creates confusion in their victim. And at the same time, it draws them back to the abuser to look for reassurance or help. Well, maybe it does need a trim. Can you help me or can you give me some tips? Now, just 20 minutes ago, you may have felt like, I look really good. Let me show off my my new look or let me show my progress. Why would someone create confusion in such a way? Because it just boosts their ego. Again, it draws back the person to the abuser in a sense that they need you or you need them. Another clue in identifying if you're dealing with an, a narcissist of any point, and really this one was very frustrating for me and I had to take a step back. Have you ever felt the sting of like being stood up on a date? It's the absolute worst feeling. It's such a waste of your time. It's such a waste of your energy. And it's really, really embarrassing. For our female narcissists, they love this. It's the procrastination and the disregard. It, again, goes back to being self-absorbed and always wanting the spotlight back on them. So rather than personally telling you that you're not important, they may wait until the last minute to respond to your text or email. They may wait till the last hour to tell you happy birthday because they have to be the last ones to, to, to show you their quote unquote love. They always show up late to events. They never stay for the full event. Or maybe they confirm your plans and then not show up at all. They also may, I don't know, go with you on a trip somewhere and leave you stranded because in that moment, they only cared for themselves. There's no regard for your time, your interests. They'll do anything to make you feel small, anything to make you feel unimportant and just irrelevant. Maybe your narcissist gives you things with a goal in mind because it's always a goal. It's always a, a tactic. Giving only leaves you feeling in debt to them. At times, they do appear to care for your feelings. They're nice. They may, they may even say that they love you. However, love and fear cannot exist in the same space. And the inconsistency of their behaviors, it greatly exemplifies how broken and ugly that they feel inside. It is important to remember that the only way to win with a narcissist of any form is to give them no energy, cut the soul tie, and starve their negative energy. If you're still following me by now, then I'm sure you're like, okay, so who's your narcissist? Like, what is, what's the catch? And if we go back to the tale of the two queens, yes, I am each of the little girls described. And yes, I was the victim of a female narcissist. And at one point in time, like I resonated so deeply with her that I almost believed that if I could try hard enough, I could be just like her. And I didn't need to be Tina or Latina because who wants that? They don't know who they are. They don't know what they want but they know of something that's perfect and they would love to have that. So many people may be thinking now, well, why would you want to become someone who has hurt you? Unfortunately, that is the part of the game plan in any form of power and control. I also think it's important to clarify that my narcissist is a family member. My narcissist is my aunt. My narcissist is my grandfather. And it's also important to remember, especially during these times of self-distancing and isolation and, and the variant growing up again or coming back again and the possibility of being quarantined, know that a lot of the times the monsters that we tell our children to be aware of, don't talk to strangers, don't do this, don't give your information. But what about the people that are sitting directly across from you at your dinner table? They say prayers with you. They tell you they love you. You know, they buy you gifts. It makes you feel loved. But you also know that there's another side of them. And you also know that in order for 
you to continue to receive their love, you've got to play their game. Their love is not unconditional unless you meet their conditions. It's funny because like, as I continue to grow in my career as a therapist, as a clinician, I just grow deeper and deeper in love and understanding myself. For a long time, I questioned who I am and what's my reality and why do I behave the way that I do. And we're taught to never analyze yourself because it will literally drive you insane. So maybe that's why I'm a little off right now. And that's cool, but knowledge is power. And I'm so honored to be a thinker. I'm so honored to have great empathy for others. But it's also lonely on the other side. Truth can be very, very lonely. I have been struggling with my anxiety this year to the point where my hair started falling out. I started losing weight very rapidly. I was unable to sleep. I was unable to go outside. I became a little girl again, just very full of fear. And I just could not understand why. With the help of my therapist, my friends, my pastor, loved ones, it all started to become very clear to me that I was living a lie. I was coming on this podcast and sharing my battle wounds and sharing my scars and talking about growth and talking about healing. But I wasn't really given the full story. It's a funny thing when you start to really walk into your light and tell your truth. God is going to make you tell the whole story. Never leave out any parts. And so for me, I try to hold on to things for the sake of. (laughs) I didn't want to tell people what was really happening because, well, they're my family. You know, they've came and they've saved me and they love me and they this, this and that. Just so many excuses. And so I kept getting sicker. I kept getting weaker. I kept getting crazier, angry, frustrated. But I would not let myself speak my truth. Again, every narcissist needs a victim. So this battle between our unemotional narcissists and our needy empaths, what is it? It's really a play on your emotions. Whoever said sticks and stones may break my bones, but words would never hurt me is a damn lie. For one, I'm a water sign. I'm a cancer. So I love words. I love poems. I love songs. I love sonnets. I love everything sweet. And I also know that words, they hurt. They're mean. So a narcissist will prey on what they know hurts you the most. Um, and I think because they know that they need you, the only thing I ever did wrong as a child is just want to make everybody happy. And that was, that was terrible, but that's just who I am. I am a giver. I understand that now. And I just happen to be in love with people who love to receive. I can remember as a child, my aunt would often say to me, "Mm, you just don't know how beautiful you are. And to many, this may seem like a simple phrase or it's a compliment. But again, a simple phrase in the tone of the sentence can go from, wow, you are so beautiful to, "Mm, you are too stupid to know how beautiful you are. Um... Sometimes the narcissist will, rather than asking you if something is comfortable, they'll just do it because they know that you're not going to speak up for yourself. There are many times where my narcissist would expose herself to me physically, 
Never asked me if I was comfortable, but I guess assumed because we were related that it was cool. Very, very hypersexual. I just couldn't understand why. So I took it as, oh, this is how a woman is supposed to behave. Unfortunately, that type of demonstration of being a woman led me to being promiscuous. Because I thought she's the perfect woman. If she does it, I'm supposed to do it too. Again, I have two narcissists in my life. And so for my grandfather, his imposing a fear on me was very, very different. It was always about the Bible, always about God. And I'm, again, someone who loves a good story, someone who loves a good tale. And so I don't want to displease God. I don't want to be a bad girl. I just want to make God happy. I can't even see him. And I'm always thinking, gosh, if I say this, if I do that, God is going to strike me down. But again, that is just another tactic of control. Because there's never a teaching moment unless it benefits your narcissist. It's these kinds of inconsistent patterns of love that creates anxiety and deep sadness in young children. We know thanks to theory and science that from ages zero to six, all that we learn, all that we grow to know, the way we behave, it's from experience. It's experience that shapes our understanding until we become old enough to question the reality and seek understanding for ourselves. But if a child's experiences are disrupted and they're disrupted by they're disrupted by fear, they're disrupted by lies, they're disrupted by molestation, they're disrupted by rape, they're disrupted by incest. That child's age of development is stuck. And it sends like a misfire to your engine. I can't think of any other way to describe it. And we all know what misfiring in an engine looks like. Some people will say, okay, let me go get my car fixed. And some people will be like, I'm going to just keep driving it. But if you keep driving a car that's misfiring, your engine is going to blow. And I think that's what happened to me this year. I got tired of driving on a misfire. My entire central nervous system shut down because I was just holding on to so much anger and holding on to so much sadness that was never even mine to hold. Because the narcissist is often directly linked to you, either romantically, at work, a friend, or for me within your family, it's just not that easy to get away. And so you're, the victim will just stay around to satisfy the abuser out of fear or maybe out of denial. And that's okay. Please understand that if you are in, at any point of a, a, an abusive situation and you're trying to get out, but you're not really sure how to get out, or maybe you just don't want to get out because it's easier to say that to stay, then that is Okay. Too many times I've counseled women, I've counseled girls, and and boys too, because boys can be in an abusive situation. I hear them say all the time, I'm so stupid, I should have left, or I should have known. Or I I tell people what I've gone through, and they say, well, that's your fault, you should have left. Or you should have knew that they were not good people. But guess what? So what? It's okay if you stayed for as long as you did. You used the tools that you had so that you can survive. And I've done it too, many, many times. That is what the narcissist wants you to believe, that you need them, that you can never be anything without them. But again, that is only a story that they want you to believe. It's all a game play. So how did I figure out that my family or these family members were narcissists? It's funny because, especially with my aunt, and if you do know me personally, and maybe you don't, but for those who do know me personally, 
it was always me and her. I was her follower. I was her shadow. I was her, her, her Tina Bina. But I was only that to her under her conditions. And when I wasn't, the ugliness came out. The scariness came out. The, the, the imposing fear came out. I never really understood, if you loved me, why would you treat me that way? And I guess over time, I kind of just accepted it. Like, this is love. And so I went through the worst of situations. Following people, <laughs> staying with men way too long who beat on me, um, slept around. I'm okay with saying it now because it's not who I am. I've only grown from it. And then for the other narcissist, the male, again, it kind of conditions you to believe that you can only be a good enough woman if you're serving to the person that you love. And it's okay for them to make you feel small. And it's okay for them to tell you what to do. And you can only live by their rules. And so for some reason, over time, I just started taking, taking on their form, being mean to people, you know, having no patience for others, blowing up because someone cut me off on the road, kicking people out if they gave me any type of grief. It was so silly. I could not understand if I'm growing and I'm changing and I'm becoming a better person. Why am I acting like this? Why is this on me? <laughs> Holding on to these secrets for my family has made me absolutely sick. Sick. And when I finally stood up and said, this is what's been happening. This is what happened to me. This is how I've been hurt right in your face. The response was, oh, well, that's what family does. It's okay for family to bully you. It's okay for family to make you feel small. It's okay for family to impose fear on you. It's okay if there's incest in your family. If you take nothing else from today's session, understand that what people say or do to you is often never directly about you. And even for me, I have projected my worst emotions onto people that I love so deeply. And it wasn't because I intentionally did it. It's because it was all that I knew. But have hope because this is the key into understanding the fine line between you and a narcissist. Because at one point, I questioned my identity again. Well, maybe I'm a narcissist or maybe I'm this or maybe I'm that. But give yourself grace because a lot of us have the ability to have compassion for others. A lot of us have the ability to say, you know, I was wrong and I don't like that. I don't like how it makes me feel and I don't like how it makes you feel. And that's the key difference between me and them. You know, I really struggled to post this episode because the moment that I did speak up to them directly, I got called crazy. I got called, oh, that's the depression talking. I was told, well, we expected you to start acting crazy because your mom did drugs. Again, it's never about them. It couldn't be their fault because they saved me. It couldn't be their fault because they have the cars and they have the nice houses and they have the degrees and all that shit is the mundane. What about your heart? What about your love? What about your true sense, just sincereness for other people? What about your empathy? This is not an episode to blast anyone or put it all out on the internet. But how dare I tell my mother's story and claim it as my trauma when my mother never, ever even hurt me. My mother was a mom who needed help. 
And rather than people saying, hey, what's going on? Can we help you? They pushed her away and called her trash. And the only reason they came and got me is because probably maybe it looked good for them. I would like to hope that at that moment they knew that I was family and that they loved me. But the moment that I spoke up and said, I've been I've been hurt in your house. I've been molested in your house. I've been put in fear in your house. I've been kicked out the house and, and sat outside for hours and peed on myself at the age of eight, you know, or I'm waking up and someone's standing over me. I'm waking up and someone's putting Barbie dolls in my vagina. Let's be real, let's be real, real blunt real quick. And the response is, oh, that's just what family does. It is then at that very moment that I was face to face with a narcissist. I like to think that they were not born this way. No one's ever born a certain way. And so I understand that they were only behaving in what they've seen when they grew up. I have come to accept that I am part of a family curse, a generational curse that is one that is very ugly. And now I also will come to understand that it ends with me. You cannot make me feel small anymore. You cannot make me feel like I'm not good enough anymore. And you also cannot win my approval anymore. I just don't care. In this fairy tale, I am both Latina and Tina. And I'm proud of that because each have provided me with the tools and the wisdom that I needed to survive. I also know that those same tools do not suit me anymore. So I don't need to act like my abuser. I don't need to impose fear on people that I love. I don't need to act erratically when things don't go my way. I don't need to belittle people because I feel ugly about myself. And I damn sure, <laughs> I don't need to lie and I don't need to hide. For many years, I have struggled with just understanding my identity because too many, put, too many people just put their own shit onto me and I am tired. The only thing I ever craved for was love. I just wanted to be real. I just wanted to be reciprocated. I'll always be a giver. I'll always be a healer. I'll always be sensitive. I'll always be forgiving. That is in my nature. That is my God gift talent. I am divine. In this fairy tale, I am both Latina and Tina. I am a survivor of generational incest. I am a survivor of date rape. I'm a survivor of molestation. I'm a survivor of domestic violence codependency, addiction. I am a teen mother. I'm all these things. But guess what? I am also a dreamer. I'm passionate about feelings. I'm a deep thinker. I'm an inspirational speaker. I am a healer. I am a mother. I am a friend. I am a good listener. And damn it, I am a person. I matter. I have always mattered. And I am a queen. So if there's anything that I would like to do or like to wrap up for 2021, I am releasing this, this guilt and this shame of their, their truth because it was never mine to have. And I don't need to hold on to it anymore. And so I urge everyone as we wind down into like the last couple of days or the last hours of 2021, really think. Stop saying, oh, I'm done with people. I'm cutting them off and this is all about me. And no, really do your reflection and think about your behaviors and your patterns too. What are you hiding that other people don't see? Where did you learn that from? Why are you like that? Do you enjoy being that way? 
Does it make you feel good? Do you have sympathy for others? Are you able to reflect and say, I need to be better? Or instead, do you say, I don't give a fuck or I don't know, whatever you say. We all have another side. We all have a shadow side. But we also have the, the, the ability and the choice to, to change. And change doesn't happen overnight. Change takes consistency. Change takes commitment. But change also starts with being honest with your goddamn self. I'm running out of words. <laughs> I'm feeling really good. I'm proud of myself for speaking aloud. And so I'd like to say thank you to my inner circle, my friends, my family, my loved ones, the ones that have really supported me this year as I journeyed through one of the toughest battles yet. Because as I kept searching for truth, people just kept leaving. People just kept judging me. People just didn't want to deal with me anymore. I became too much. I was erratic. I was dangerous. I was this. I was that. I was none of that. I hope my story encourages someone else to speak up and tell theirs. Because really, we all have a bit of suffering inside. And life is about growth. But let's put some roots down first. Thank you for rocking with me for another year. I'm so excited to share new content. And I have a lineup of amazing people who's going to also begin to share their truth and their shadow side and how they work through their dealings. So don't cry for me. I'm great and I'm going to get better. <laughs> but really celebrate yourself because damn it, 2021 was hard. And if you learned your lessons, understand and really believe with everything in you, that 2022 is going to bless you. Clap, queens. We won. I guess you must hate her. Honestly, I'm conflicted. She is good, bold and brilliant. But she has made it me or her. And I choose me.